It's the Americhicks with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech from last Tuesday night and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Yes, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Ideas do indeed matter. And yes, we do dissect issues, the news, politics, and opinion. Is right versus wrong instead of right versus left? Agree or disagree? We need to be having conversations. Be sure and check out our website, americhicks.com, and sign up for our emails. Uh, we'll keep you apprised of upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And, hey, thank you to all of you that are sending me emails uh, via the website. My email is kim at americhicks.com. I love hearing from you uh, with ideas. Love it if you like what, what's going on. And if you have an idea for a subject, I want to know that. And if you have suggestions. I appreciate that as well. We are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. And uh, we offer a conservatarian perspective. Now, many of you are very excited about our event on Monday, January 28th, 5 to 8 p.m., our Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth, uh, where we are partnering with Dr. Tom Cranowitter's team uh, over at Speakeasy Ideas to bring you Vino and Veritas. Uh, Dr. Cranowitter is creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. Uh, actually, this particular, the January Vino and Veritas, is sold out. If you would like to be added to the uh, wait list, go to our website, uh, americhicks.com, and sign up. Bethany will get you on the wait list, and, uh, or you can send me an email again at kim at americhicks.com. If you would like to go ahead and uh, register for the balance of the year, Dr. Cranawitter, for those that uh, do the year registration, will have a study guide. And, and we've got some great, great swag for you as well. You'll have your own name badge and a wine uh, charm and all kinds of great things. So go ahead. You might consider signing up in February for the balance of the year and then get on the wait, uh, waiting list. It is going to be awesome. That is one week from this upcoming Monday. So let's start off with today's funnies. Two community organizers were walking through a shabby, overgrown cemetery, writing down names from the headstones. One of the men works very fast, stopping only by the upright stones where he can read the names clearly. The other community organizer works deliberately, going from one stone to the next, kneeling down and clearing away the grass and wiping away the grime in order to see the name clearly. Why are you spending so much time doing that, the first man asked. I'll tell you, the second man said, this is a free country with a constitution and everything, and each one of these people has as much right as the next to cast his vote. Did you like that one, Steve? <laughs> Community organizer, I, I knew where it was going. You knew we were headed that I way. I knew where it was going. So <laughs> <Okay>. that's... Uh... <laughs> We'll just leave it there then. Hey, let's jump in. Uh, there's some wild stuff going on. I, I about fell off my chair yesterday when, <laughs> when, when I saw that Donald Trump at the very last minute said to Nancy Pelosi that she could not use military planes to do this little trip that she was going to do to the, the Mideast. And uh, I, I, 
I just, I couldn't believe it. But this is what, he sent her a little note. Did you see the note? Yeah, and the commentary that followed the note, but go ahead. Okay, this is the note. Uh, Trump grounded Pelosi's plane. Uh, it, some have, uh, there's a political outcry. But this is what he said. He said, Dear Madam Speaker, Due to the shutdown, I am sorry to inform you that your trip to Brussels, Egypt, and Afghanistan has been postponed. We will reschedule this seven-day excursion when the shutdown is over. In light of the 800,000 great American workers not receiving pay, I am sure you would agree that postponing this public relations event is totally appropriate. I also feel that during this period, it would be better if you were here in Washington negotiating with me and joining the strong border security movement to end the shutdown. Obviously, you, uh, if you would like to make your journey by flying commercial, that would certainly be your prerogative. I look forward to seeing you soon and even more forward to watching our open and dangerous southern border finally receive the attention, funding, and security it so desperately deserves. Classic. Oh, my gosh. He, you know, Steve, I really think that he is winning this. I, I got my hair done yesterday, and uh, the gal that does my hair is, I, I would say she's apolitical. She says, you know, I, I really don't like to pay attention uh, you, you know, to all of that. That's the problem. Well, yeah, she's busy. You yeah, know, yeah. she's busy, family. She's got her career. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of noise out there. So I, I get it. That is one of the reasons why we do this show, is hopefully bringing clarity to these issues. So I, I said something about uh, border security and Pelosi, and she said, you know, Pelosi, she said, I don't really like her that much. <laughs> and then she said, I've, I've seen on TV that there are people that are not, you know, I, and this is the thing, is I think that Americans, they're so compassionate. She's concerned about people uh, the 800,000 employees not being able to make their mortgage payments. And you see that across the board. People are concerned about that. But they will get their back pay when the government gets opened up. Uh, there are ancillary uh, consequences to this, though. For example, we had Chris Cantwell, uh, one of our great uh, partners, on earlier this week. And so any uh, loan that's going to be going through the Small Business Administration those are not happening right now. So you're seeing some of those things are stopped right now because of the government shutdown. But she said, I was just so shocked. People down at the border, she said, I saw a couple of property owners down at the, the border that were interviewed. And they said, we need to get this, this border wall done. And in fact, she saw a woman who had been interviewed that lives right on the border who said, there's people in my yard. You would not believe it. And um, so there's some, there must be some truth coming out regarding uh, the news, because that is affecting her opinion. And I just thought it was really funny. She kind of looked up and she said, Pelosi, I don't think I really like her. And I think Trump is going to win this thing. It's certainly starting to become a a popular thought amongst all the you know more conservative news outlets. Um, but back to Pelosi. Where is the leadership? Where is the good judgment to be caravanning off to other lands other parts of the world while the shutdown's going on and she's already proven in well right? she was in hawaii hawaii that's where i'm going uh she we we know she was in hawaii was she part of the puerto rico she was crowd? she was in puerto rico as well so she her it seems like her goal is to not stay in washington it's like i don't want any part of this i've got more important things to do it's like what could possibly be more important 
Mrs. Pelosi? Well, she's clearly not focused on border security. They say the words. They say the words that the American people want to want to hear. But when you really get to, you know, are they really doing what they're supposed to be doing? The answer is no. And the thing about it, Steve, is the the uh, mainstream media would not have even probably reported on the fact that she was on this excursion for the next seven days. And there was not very many of the news outlets that talked about the 30 Democrat uh, uh, politicians that was in Puerto Rico, uh, you know, um, having a great party with lobbyists and, um, you know, bureaucrats. And I saw a report that there was about 3.5 or something, 3.5 lobbyists per politician down there in Puerto Rico. Wonderful. And it is the responsibility of the media to report all this. But I don't think it would have been out there, except for Trump. He does this. He he, he, um, pulls the plane off the tarmac, basically, and says, you're not going. (laughs) But at the end, there's always the right person with a camera in the right places. Um, what did we see yesterday right after this announcement came out? And, and I was knocked over, too. When I first read it, I thought, this has to be a joke. Uh, but pictures of the buses out in front of the Capitol, just sitting there waiting, nowhere to go. And also, uh, someone caught a picture of a uh, baggage cart somewhere. I guess the bags to be loaded into the buses to go to the airport. But <laughs> they, the person went out of their way to make sure he took a picture of Nancy Pelosi's bags. <laughs> Well, I think so. I think this was a brilliant move. However, now you you hear uh, uh, commentators say, oh, this was such a sophomoric thing for Trump to do. We need to have some adults in the room. And I think it was brilliant. Well, where do we just see uh, uh, again? I resort back to my uh, resource of Facebook. And I know this is going to bite me some someday. <laughs> uh, but it says, you know, Trump never really destroys anybody he merely gives them he puts them on center stage he hands them a mic and he lets them destroy themselves and i think that's one other reason that i think nancy pelosi does not want him to give the state of the union address in front of congress absolutely which that was astounding because i think i think this all shows he is being very effective it's the ultimate of bully pulpits the state of the union address mm -hmm. and i mean he's she knows they know her her and chuck this is another opportunity here for him for him to thrash us. And that's right. And bring the truth to the American people. But when my hairdresser said, Pelosi, I don't think I really like her. Like, he is winning this. Mm-hmm. Now, one other quick thing. Um, you know, people have also been concerned about the 800,000 government workers. Uh, you know, some of them said, gosh, I, you know, I'm not getting a paycheck, but I have to continue to pay my child care because I don't want to lose my place with my great child care provider. Uh, but you've probably seen that out in Los Angeles, the teachers have uh, are striking, and there's a possibility, there's a big threat that t- the teachers here in Denver might be striking. First of all, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said that public employees should never have a union, and they should never be able to strike. So just so you know, you know the great progressive out there, that is what he said. But again, the progressives are talking about striking, the teachers are striking, because they want higher pay, they don't seem to care about all these parents that will now have to figure out what to do with their children while the teacher's on strike because the the parents have planned that their children will be in school. And if the teachers go on strike, they're going to be scrambling to find child care so that they can can, can continue with their jobs. Almost a subset of mob mentality, mob rule. I mean, 
they, yeah. they hold the cards and they're going to do it. Yeah. And so over here on one side, they say they really care regarding the shutdown of the government. We, you know, we're so concerned, but no problem over here to shut down our schools. And uh, so I think there's a bit of a, a hypocrisy in that whole thing. So anyway, those are my main thoughts. You had one more thought? Well, I, you know, I was sitting here thinking about the you know, Nancy's thoughts on border security. I, I mean, let's cut down to the barest bones. Uh, I'm not sure that border security is the issue. The issue is looking ahead to 2020, and here's Trump on the precipice of getting another major step in, in his platform that he uh, campaigned on, border security, and they don't want to give it to him. Well, that's true. And the other thing, I think you're right. They're looking at elections, not only 2020, but into the future. Because when we had Chris Farrell on, on Monday from Judicial Watch, there were more people registered to vote in Los Angeles and, uh, city and county than actually live there. So go figure. So hence my joke. It was very, very appropriate this morning, right? <laughs> so, hey, we're going to go to break here. But before we do that, it is the NFL playoffs. And Sunday, the L.A. Rams are facing off against the New Orleans Saints. And the Patriots, again, are matched up against the Chiefs. So I'm a Kansas kid, so go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. The high temperature for Sunday in Kansas City is now supposed to be 25 degrees. So bundle up. Chiefs fans, this is what global warming looks like. But uh, who moves on? Who goes home? That is a question. But the bigger question is where will you watch the games? And Hooters, of course. Hooters is your game day headquarters. You can watch the NFL playoffs and the big game at Hooters. Specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. And uh, come into Hooters during the big game, and you can enter to win a brand-new 55-inch HDR TV. And, Steve, did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have Hooters new smoked wings delivered right to your doorstep. They're delicious and only half the calories. I'm going to have the girls over next Wednesday night, and so we're going to have Hooters delivered to the doorstep. And so order your Hooters to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More info, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. We'll be talking with Tim Jackson with the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. Uh, You may remember that Governor Hickenlooper issued an executive order on electric vehicles. Well, it didn't take uh, Governor Polis long to uh, ramp that up. So we'll be right back with Tim Jackson. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you'd like to support the work of the AmeriChicks and grow your business, contact them at AmeriChicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick, accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financing choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, we need to have these conversations. 
Be sure and check out our website, americhicks.com. Sign up for our emails. And we are the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Let's get right to it. We have on the line with us Tim Jackson. He is the CEO and president of the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. And I didn't think that we could do more than what uh, Governor Hickenlooper did uh, before he went out of office regarding his executive order on low-emission vehicles and electric vehicles. But Tim Jackson, uh, uh, Governor Polis was busy yesterday with his pen and an executive order. So what is going on? Hello, Kim and Molly. Uh, Tim Jackson here, and thanks for having me on. And I've also got Christina Dawkins. We're at a conference, so we're both calling in. And Christina is a new car dealer. She has uh, Co's BMW in Loveland, Colorado, and also many of Loveland. Hi, Christina. Hello. Hello. So this is uh, this is crazy to me what's going on. Tim, could you set this up regarding these ex- executive orders, please? Sure. And uh, Colorado now has become the 10th state in the country to adopt the California. And now we haven't adopted yet, but he's done an executive order calling on us to adopt the California Zero Emission Vehicle Standard. You mentioned Governor Hickenlooper's executive order previously. Uh, that was an LEV, low emission vehicle standard. This is a ZEV, zero emission vehicle standard. So uh, think of it as an uh, CalLev on steroids. Wow. I was shocked when I saw this. I didn't think that it could get worse. Now, Christina, what do you think about this? Well, uh, when I look at this, uh, we... You know, we've been uh, producing vehicles as as manufacturers with uh, great emissions in our new cars. And, you know, how much further do we need to go? And, you know, we've got consumers that want to drive what they want to drive. And so when they come in, you know, they're choosing what fits their lifestyle. And now um, we have a government telling us what... They, they need to drive, what they have to drive versus what fits their lifestyle. So it's a big concern. Well, that is for sure. And that's really not what government is supposed to be doing. People can, uh, can vote with their dollars. And, Tim, the last time we had you on, Colorado is not the same as California. And, you know, we like our, our little SUVs that we can get up to the mountains. I mean, we like to have consumer choice. And... I'm not totally up to speed with Polis's executive order, but I know with Hickenlooper's executive order, it was saying to dealers like Christina that you have to have a certain part of what you sell as an elect. Um, I guess was that a low emission vehicle, and if you didn't, they were going to penalize them. I mean, that is crazy to me, Tim. Yeah, what it will set up uh, this this executive order would tie Colorado to the hip of California. And so California regulators set the standard, and right now California is on a track or trajectory, if you will, to be at 10% zero-emission vehicles by 2025. And by the way, let us be clear, uh, we're not against electric cars. We love them, and we love to sell them, and and if consumers want to buy them, that's what we want to sell. Christina sells a lot of electric vehicles in the BMW i3, for example, and she also has the BMW i8, and she has a lot of... Uh, like the X5, which is a hybrid electric uh, plug-in hybrid that still has a gasoline engine as well. So what we want to do is sell the vehicles that uh, consumers want to buy. But if Well, we duh, that Colorado, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it always works the best. It, that's, like, we can tell you that. It works the best. And um, 
to have the choice of vehicles that Coloradoans want to buy. Um, but what will happen if, um, if Colorado adopts California, then it's the California Air Resources Board, which is a governmental agency appointed by the governor of California wow. that sets that standard. If they want to take it to 25 percent by 2026, they could do that. In Colorado, um, there's, there's only two standards, so we can either stay at the federal standard, which is what we've always been on, or we can go with California no matter where they go. So it's, it's like we either hitch our wagon um, to California or we stay with the federal, and um, it's going to be a problem if we uh, don't stay with the feds. Well, and didn't uh, Senator John Cook um, bring forth some legislation to try to push back on this? Well, he did, and uh, that bill um, will be heard on February the 7th, which is a Thursday, um, and coming up in about three weeks, I guess. And, um, um, and we'll be there for that, by the way. What that bill would say is that Colorado shouldn't um, basically shouldn't um, adopt the California standards or should stay with the federal standards um, um, on emissions uh, the way we've always historically been for the last 50 plus years. Well, California uh, is really no friend, I think, to the, the ability for people to have freedom to drive. And so, Tim, you are, are putting together something called Freedom to Drive. And, and a friend of mine, uh, Helen Raleigh, who immigrated from China, uh, and she's just a real lover of the, uh, you know, the American idea and freedom. And, and she said that the difference between a free society and a non-free society is for the ability for everyday people to be mobile, to, to go where they want to, when they want to. And so when you have government coming in and starting to say, you have to have this kind of a car or, uh, you know, pushing people to mass transit if they don't want that, by these, you know, subsidizing these things. And they have subsidized electric vehicles. And I, I know, you know, if people want to buy one, yes, that's great. However... We've been subsidizing them big time. Uh, I think it had been $7,500 tax credit on the federal level, $5,000 tax credit, income tax credit here in Colorado. And so that is actually money that's being taken out of the treasury of the federal government and the Colorado State Treasury. So people that are paying their taxes are subsidizing that. And I just don't think that's fair. Christina, um, what's your comment? You know, if uh, consumers that come in and, and uh, look at an electric vehicle are, um, they are driven about with these uh, tax credits because it brings their payment lower. And um, so we have, here's an example, we have uh, an X5 plug-in and a regular uh, combustion engine X5. In between the two of them, because of the tax credits, the payment is less on the plug-in. So not that they intentionally wanted to buy an electric vehicle, but then these credits come in and it brings the payment lower. So then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, I can I can uh, plug in this vehicle. You know, I still have this gas motor on the side, so I'm going to be okay. I'm going to buy the the plug-in X5. And uh, Molly and Kim, um, the um, what this the incentives have been there for t- um, eight or ten years, and. And they've helped us get to that 3% of the market share where, um, on electric vehicles. Um, by the way, we don't have anything against electric vehicles per se, but, again, we just want consumer choice. But what this does, what the ZEV order does, 
is then puts money the other way at disincentives. So think of the uh, the um, $5,000 tax credit at state level or 7500 federal as a carrot. This is the stick, and it will make the other vehicles higher to buy, higher cost to buy, because uh, the government of Colorado wants Colorado consumers to buy these vehicles. So call this the stick. We had the carrot, now we have the stick. And what is the stick exactly on this, Tim? Well, if a, if a factory doesn't hit the 10% bogey, if you will, by 2025, uh, or any time really between now and then, uh, they will be paying uh, to buy credits from those other manufacturers that are uh, that are achieving it. So it becomes cap and trade, okay? So to buy the credit, they have to spend money, right? And right. to spend money, to make money, so they have to make it on the other vehicles that consumers want to buy. Um, and that means that the non-electric vehicles' price will go up to offset the uh, credits that they're having to buy. Wow. And, and where can they get these credits? Well, you know, there's right now only one company selling the credits, and that's Tesla. And it's really the only thing that's kept Tesla in business all these years because almost a billion dollars, um, it's 800 and some million dollars in LEV and ZEV credits went to Tesla's bottom line last year. Even though Tesla wasn't profitable last year, um, it, it got them um, less unprofitable is the best way to put it. Well, and I have a 2015 uh, article from the L.A. Times that I refer to on a consistent basis that uh, Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, has received at that time in 2015 $4.9 billion in government subsidies. And as you mentioned, Tesla really could not be profitable without all of this government subsidization. So um, I tell you, thank you, Tim. We're going to have to keep our eye on this. You do have this Freedom to Drive petition. And uh, where can people find that, Tim? You know, uh, the um, it's a Freedom to Drive coalition uh, that we all support. It'll be an independent coalition. So we'll be just one part of it. And a lot of others are wanting to support it. And it's those that want to be able to buy their vehicles where they want to buy and what they want to buy and keep it local. And uh, that Freedom to Drive Coalition is just now coming together. And probably the next time you and I are together by radio, uh, we'll be able to direct you to um, where people can sign up or contribute or, or sign the petition. How's that? Okay, perfect. Let's stay on this. Christina, it's so great to have you on, on the air as well. And uh, I love entrepreneurs, and, and thank you so much. So have a great day. Thanks for calling in. I know you guys are traveling, but uh, surely appreciate uh, the conversation because it's really important. So Tim Jackson, thank you. Christina, was it Dawson? Was that right? Dawkins. Dawkins, okay. Christina Dawkins, thank you so much. You all have a great day. Thanks so much. Okay. And we've got Jason McBride on the line with us, uh, Presidential Wealth Management. And Jason, the markets have bounced back the last couple of weeks, and they're now approaching levels that uh, some talking heads claim will test their mettle. What say you? Well, that's correct, Kim, at least that they're saying it. Uh, One of the indicators that traders and market experts watch are what are called moving averages. And these are simply the average price that a stock or an index is closed at over a certain number of days. So do these actually work, or is it just kind of like hocus-pocus? Well, it might be more like voodoo, actually. (laughs) But uh, No, I I do believe uh, moving averages are... Uh, they're valid. I think they work where you'll see stocks tend to kind of find support if they're dropping. Uh, there's certain moving averages they'll kind of bounce off of. 
Uh, same thing, if uh, they're recovering from a sell-off, you might see them kind of run into a little bit of resistance there. And two of the most common um, moving averages are the 50-day moving average and the 200-day moving average. So what are we seeing now? You sent some charts uh, of the Dow and the NASDAQ and small caps and the S&P 500, and it looks like all of these have risen right up to about where that 50-day line is sitting. On your charts, that is a, it's a red line. Does that mean we're about to hit a brick ceiling on this rally? You know, Kim, not necessarily. Uh, For one thing, these moving averages tend to work much better with individual stocks than they do with market indexes like the, the Dow or the whole NASDAQ. And also with the indexes, I've noticed both of these moving averages are better at showing the support than they are at, at the resistance. So, Jason, they might be helpful maybe in signaling when the market could be weakening, when it's maybe, but when it's going up, it might not so much show a bump in its head during a, a correction or a bear market bounce. Yeah, that's right. I think these are uh, useful. And when I go back and look at the charts longer term, what I see is that during a bounce like we have now, the 50-day moving average, it really seldom acts as a ceiling. We might get a little bit of squirreliness here, so I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, But a lot of times, a market will just rip right back above that without even thinking about it. So it's not something I'd base uh, any major buy or sell decisions on at this point. Okay. Okay, but what about the 200-day average, which on these charts shows up as a black line? It's quite a bit higher. Will that cause a problem if and when we get there? Well, now the 200-day moving average that is that black line, uh, it has been a bit more of a test in the past. Uh, So if and when we get there, because it's higher, it'll bear paying a little bit more attention to. So, Kim, you know, of course, what today's lesson is. What's that, Jason? Black lines matter. Uh, Bada boom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. Hey, Jason McBride, uh, if people want to talk to Jason, check out chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And uh, I can't wait to hear what our conversation is going to be like on Monday. Jason, you have a great day. Okay, have a good weekend, Kim. (laughs) Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we will be talking with Hadley Heath Manning. Uh, She's with the Independent Women's Forum. And, of course, many of you may be aware that the uh, women's marches are being planned throughout the country. And uh, some of them are are pulling back. It, to me, looks like they may not be so inclusive. So we're going to talk to Hadley Heath Manning about that. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine recently celebrated 30 years with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. The Americhicks know Karen Levine personally and cannot recommend her highly enough. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. 303-877-7516. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. 
For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And now, Kim is helping guys, too, with well-priced, made-to-measure shirts, pants, and jackets that fit a busy guy's lifestyle. Guys or gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh, be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of everything that's coming down the pike, all the great guests and subjects. And uh, we are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, before we get to Hadley Heath Manning with Independent Women's Forum, Chris Cantwell, it's 2019, and what do you want to do with your future? You've worked hard, and maybe the kids don't want to continue with that business. And you want to get out, it's time to sell. Or maybe you've retired from that corporate job, and you want to buy a business. Then it's time to talk to Chris Cantwell. He is a business broker with Transworld Business Advisors. Chris Cantwell helps you buy and sell opportunity. He is an advocate for entrepreneurship, the voluntary exchange of value between individuals, and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. Uh, Chris Cantwell knows that small businesses drive the economic engine of America, so reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary consultation to find out how Chris can help you sell your business or buy your next opportunity. His website is cccellscompanies.com. That's cc, like Chris Cantwell, cccellscompanies.com. And let him know that you know the AmeriChicks. Uh, So let's jump right in here. We have on the line with us Hadley Heath Manning. Uh, She is um, with the Independent Women's Forum. You see her on TV. She's an author. Uh, she's also a mom. I mean, she is. Hadley, does your superwoman cape get caught in the door when you leave in the morning? Huh. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking yesterday about this uh, having it all scenario. <laughs> and uh, the flip side of that is you'll feel like you're doing it all, which, yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I guess the thing missing from my life at this point is sleep. But ah. other than that, things are going great. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I can totally, totally relate. Um, but uh, I, I love our conversations. And I'm just, I'm just dying to hear what you have to say about these women's marches. And it's crazy here in Colorado. They've e- even taken the A out of women and they've put in an X. Yeah. I mean, what is going on out there with these women's marches? You know, it has uh, been really interesting to watch because this year, uh, at least uh, the one in Washington, I think in Denver too, these, these across the nation, it's the third year because, of course, you started the year that President Trump was being inaugurated, the same weekend as uh, President Trump's inauguration. So now we're in year three watching the Women's March. Um, but this year I would say that their movement has faced um, more challenges than in previous years. Um, in fact, some local marches have distanced themselves from the National March or canceled their Women's March altogether. Um, and that's in large part due to um, some revelations about the leadership at the national level um, that some of these women you know, it's very regrettable, but they hold pretty radical views about particular things, and they have associations with people who uh, in the past uh, have made very strong anti-Semitic statements. And um, what's really interesting is that the national leadership has had every opportunity to denounce those associations, and yet 
Uh, they've really had trouble doing this. Um, we've covered all of this on our blog at Independent Women's Forum at IWF.org. Um, but just in the past week, um, one of the women who's at the leadership at the national level, um, Tamika Malloy, went on The View and uh, got every opportunity from Meghan McCain to denounce her association with Louis Farrakhan, who's a man who said, you know, that he admires Hitler. <laughs> and the and, and the woman who's uh, with the Women's March really couldn't, couldn't say that she um, wasn't proud to have this association. And so that's a fascinating aspect. The Tablet is one organization, one media organization that's done a lot of reporting, really an expose of the Women's March. And, of course, these associations are troubling. But I would say the bigger issue with the Women's March, um, and this has been true from day one, is that as interested as it is in, you know, pushing what they call a pro-woman agenda and being a diverse group of women, they really exclude a lot of American women because they only represent those women and defend those women who share their political perspective. And, Tim, I know you know what I mean here, but there's a a very strong bias um, when it comes to the Women's March in favor of progressive causes only. Um, They wouldn't include a Feminist for Life organization the first year, but it's become more and more clear every year, regrettably, that they don't want to include any women who don't have a very strong left-wing political perspective. You know, Hadley, I think that the veil is coming off on this progressive agenda. Now, I I don't know quite how it's all going to work out, uh, because what we've seen with um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez you know, she is actually, I think, verbalizing what uh, has happened to the Democrat Party. It it has really been taken over by progressive um, leftists, if you will. And I know the first year of the Women's March, I actually was back in Washington, D.C. that weekend. I uh, got to go back for President Trump's inauguration. And I was a little bit oblivious. I kind of heard about this Women's March. I didn't really know what you know, what was going on. I was really kind of, I was excited to go to the inauguration and we were at the airport here out at DIA and, and, and I was carrying my crazy little rubber chicken handbag and, and a woman said to me and that, um, Oh, are you going to Washington DC for the women's March? I said, no, I'm going for the uh, inauguration. She commented on my purse and she immediately, her demeanor towards me changed. I, and I almost felt like she was looking at me with disdain and I was kind of scratching my head. I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And then when we got to Washington, D.C., and we, I was standing waiting for my bags to come off of the um, baggage carrier there, um, I was seeing these boxes of, of things. These women were pulling off boxes, things that had been mailed to them, and, and they were pulling these off and their luggage. And I'm thinking, that is so curious. What I realized, it was probably all these T-shirts and hats. This was very organized three years ago. Uh-huh. Yes, and I don't, I mean, this isn't scientific data, but I can say that at least the inaugural Women's March, I knew many people who were planning to, you know, take buses. I'm originally from North Carolina, and so a lot of my Facebook pool of friends is from that part of the country, but I knew people personally who were participating in the first year. And I would say initially, uh, especially because of the um, timing and President Trump's inauguration, the Women's March was more able, I believe, in their first year to make the march seem like um, that it was sort of this um, pro-woman celebration, defending women, standing up for women, particularly because President Trump um, 
and a lot of politicians have said and, and done things towards women that are indefensible. And I can understand how if you're a woman, you are mm-hmm. concerned about respect for women in the public sphere. Um, and if you want to stand up for women, that's absolutely, that's a cause that I will walk beside you, march with you 110%. However, it has become more and more clear over time that this is not a women's march. It is a progressive march. It's an anti-Trump march, but more than that, um, it is, you know, only going to champion causes of the left. And if you are a woman who disagrees, you know, if you're headed to President Trump's inauguration instead, then Katie barred the door. Right. You are you are not welcome at all. And, you know, you mentioned the replacement of the A with the X and the word women. One question that I have, uh, particularly as we see across the country, the left has made it a, a real mission to you know, sort of destroy, I would say, distinctions between men and women. So, for example, at Harvard University, they have a new policy that um, Harvard women cannot participate in sororities or any single-sex organization. Um, And I'm curious if Harvard University is going to sanction Harvard women who may participate in the Women's March, because, of course, this is supposed to be a a female-themed march, Um, However, Harvard is looking to really abolish women-only spaces and, of course, men-only spaces, too. There's a similar situation going on in Alaska where a civil rights commission in Anchorage is going after a women-only homeless shelter for denying, um, basically, entrance to a man. And you can understand how homeless women, particularly women who have been abused by men, would need to have a women's-only space. So I don't understand how the left is going to continue to be the champion of women as they claim to be. They claim that mantle. Um, and yet they're taking away from women some of the spaces that um, traditionally we have kept them to ourselves in order to be safe and empowered. Um, and this is a real conflict that I see coming down the pike for the left that, you know, the arc of progressivism may be long, but it bends towards misogyny because if you're trying to erase what makes women women, then you're in real trouble. You can't, you can't forever be the champion of women if you're basically trying to get rid of womanhood. You know, Hadley Heath Manning, on our show, we are bringing forth these important issues. And my hope is, is that our listeners can have some nuggets every day, some golden nuggets of wisdom or discernment. And what you just said there is absolutely so important because, because you, you can't have it both ways. You just cannot have it both ways. You can't, you can't say that that we're all the same and then yet we're different. I want to I want to unpack all this just a little bit more. Uh have you seen this Gillette commercial that's there's been all this for uh, fear regarding um um men by any chance? Yes, I have seen it. Okay, I'd like to chat with you just a little bit in the next segment about that and see what you think about it. We talked about it yesterday. But uh, I also think that it, um, I I was really troubled. I almost wanted to cry on that one. So let's go to break. We're talking with uh, Hadley Heath Manning with the Independent Women's Forum about the Women's March. And then I want to get her her read on this uh, Gillette commercial um, that they're probably going to run in the Super Bowl. Before we do that, though. Solutions. There are solutions out there. Do not give up. There's so many people, people out there working uh, to, to preserve these, these great things about America. And, and one of those great groups is Act 2 Blueprint Reforms. It's a blueprint to adjust the division of power in Washington, D.C., no matter what political party is in power. Act 2 Reforms 
as part of the Article 5 convention, and the Article 5 is in the Constitution. The, the founders put it there in case government got crazy. And so it was there for just times such as these. Uh, so it's uh, the part of the Convention of the States movement, and they are located, uh, Act 2 Reforms is located right here in Colorado. And they have five things that's on their radar that they're concerned about. Number one, they suggest that we enforce the rule of law on all federal employees. They also suggest that we give Congress a quick tool to block block new regulations. Three, suggest we apply term limits on both Congress and the judiciary. Four, suggest we make Congress account for all claims on the federal budget. And five, suggest that we sharply reduce the power of money in Washington, D.C. So all of us, we all have to do one thing every day. It's our civic duty as citizens. So one of the things you might do is check out act2blueprint.org. That's act2blueprint.org. And let them know that you know the Americhicks. This is Kim Munson. We'll be right back with Hadley Heath Manning with the Independent Women's Forum. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich and Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks, Molly and Kim, recommend Predovich and Company as your financial business consultants. Predovich and Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. We have on the line with us Hadley Heath Manning. Uh, she is with the Independent Women's Forum. We were talking about the Women's March and also the fact that in Colorado, uh, they are changing the spelling of wom- women or woman, uh, replacing the A in woman with an X. Uh, and Hadley, you made a really interesting point regarding Harvard, says that women can no longer be part of a sorority. But your question about whether or not they could um, march in the women's march, I mean, I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Uh, but let's jump well, over. You know, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, the Harvard policy is just so extensive. It actually applies to, to Harvard men and women, even when they're off campus. And I think that's pretty troubling. It's a pretty troubling, you know, violation of the freedom of association. No, so no, wait, wait a minute. Let's put an free from IWF in that case. What does what does that mean exactly? I they this is when they're off campus as well. What does that mean? That that means you know if you're found out, basically, even if you participate, for example, in a men only or women only Bible study, <laughs> if you're found out by the university, then you can face sanctions as a student, and um, that's that's pretty troubling. So. Um, we'll have more commentary of, about that case as it proceeds. Some of the sororities have brought a lawsuit against Harvard, and um, we're planning to weigh in with our own amicus brief. So it's absolutely uh, they're out of bounds, I believe, from a moral perspective at Harvard. Oh, my gosh. So on one hand, they say men and women are the same, and then on the other hand, they say they're different. I mean, it's such mixed messages that we are are sending to our young people. We've got to get a handle on just common sense, I think, again. But this Gillette commercial, there's been a lot of conversation about it. Um, I watched it several times. Uh, There's been some folks that say that they think it's great. I see tremendous danger in it, Uh, and I talked a bit about it yesterday. What do you think about it, Hadley Heath Manning? 
Well, you know, I think it falls in a category um, where there's been so much of this, I feel like, in recent years of virtue signaling in advertising. You know, it's obviously a brand, Gillette, trying to capitalize on um, a market of people who will agree with the message that they're sending. And, you know, on the one hand, and I'm sure, you know, this is almost obvious, I hate to even say it, but no one's going to disagree with the idea that bullying and violence towards women and, you know, sexual harassment are wrong things that no one should do. Um, but that's sort of the trouble that if, if Dillette is saying men, you know, you should be decent, then that really raises the question, are, are all men not behaving decently? You know, and so I think that's really the trouble with the ad is that it sort of suggests that men on the whole need some kind of moral education. And then, of course, is Gillette really the best <laughs> educator morally? I do think we need moral education for both boys and girls about how to grow up and become the best men and women they can be. But, of course, I think that families are in the best position to do that moral education, not, not a corporation selling razors. Well, the progressive activists left have taken over so many of the institutions, and one of those has been the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts was a place where where boys would go and, and they, they could, do, if you will, boys could be boys in, in the best sense of things, where they could run, they could play, they could, you know, learn to tie knots, they could go camping, they could do all of those things of boys will be boys. Uh, and, of course, the Gillette commercial, um, you know, said was, was taking a, kind of a, an excuse for bad behavior that boys will be boys. And I don't, I don't believe that. I, I know so many fine men. Uh, and, and so I'm really troubled you know, by the message that they were, were trying to send there. But but the Boy Scouts has really in many ways been decimated by the progressive left um, because, you know, it, it now, you know, encompasses girls that you can't, you, uh, I mean, it just seems to me like our, our little boys have been under assault. And then this message, and there was also, I felt some racial undertones. I don't know if you caught that, Hadley. But it looked to me like it, it uh, made Caucasian males, Caucasian straight males who are at the bottom of the, the barrel as far as progressive activists are concerned. It made them look like they were out of control, that they were, that they were bullies. I found that boardroom um, clip very interesting where there was one woman, one, one woman there and then it, it looked primarily like Caucasian men. And then the leader in the of the meeting said, well, what she meant to say, and then they pan uh-huh. to the woman, and she just looks defeated. And mm-hmm. my first, um, I, I was in the investment business. I worked on a stock trading desk, primarily male-dominated, and then, and then, of course, in the investment business. And I, I worked hard. I became one of the youngest VPs at my company. And um, if somebody did something to me, I would have said, wait a minute, bucko. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I was so frustrated that they made her, portrayed her as a victim. Yeah, well, there's so much there. First of all, I agree with you about the Boy Scouts. They really got the Harvard treatment, you know, that you can't just segregate into your own single-sex group. That's a, a, a violation of the, the left's ultimate value of inclusivity. And it's not to say that inclusivity is a bad value. It just may not always be the ultimate value in every case. You know, we got to check ourselves in terms of where that's, that's headed because, of course, um, if we include, for example, transgender women in women's sports, 
where is that going for people who are born female? You know, because men, um, people who are born men, possess certain physical advantages. And so I think this is really starting to uh, drum up a lot of important questions that I don't know that the left is, is truly prepared to answer in terms of where this ideology is taking us. Um, but certainly when it comes to the ad, you know, I honestly, I did not notice the racial undertones. I've seen people write about this, but I think that this is pretty prevalent if you if you really pay close attention to a lot of our media. And, and one of my friends recently saw the movie A Dog's Way Home. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. um, she, she made the same um, sort of uh, observation that everyone who's good in the movie um, sits into, you know, a progressive stereotype, and everyone who's, who's bad in the movie fits into a conservative stereotype. And I do think that in a lot of our TV shows and movies and advertisements, there is sort of this subliminal message, and it's because, you know, of course, the left controls Hollywood. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this is going to be um, the, the choices that they make. Um, but I think it's really unfortunate. It represents a real privilege that um, progressive people have that they may not even notice that they're not being depicted as the bad guy in a lot of these situations. And, you know, if, uh, if you're a conservative, you're, you're probably used to it by now, but um, that's sad. Uh, it shouldn't be the case that we're made to feel guilty for who we are. Well, and, and uh, I think in defense of, of men, in defense of the the old white guys, where, uh, again, this has been a narrative that the founders were just old white guys concerned about their own special interests. And uh, it, that is a, a narrative that is not honest, that's being taught to our kids from a historical standpoint. Uh, our kids should be told that those guys put everything on their line, their their lives, their their fortunes, their sacred honor. And they signed the Declaration of Independence, which was monumental. And they did that as they heard the British cannons just down the river. And uh, so it has been... Uh, these uh, conservative, if you, will, if you will, white guys that stepped up as patriots. They stepped up in the Civil War. They stepped up in World War II. And uh, I'm really unhappy with Gillette. Instead of holding men up for the great things that they have done as providers and protectors that they came out with this particular ad. So your last thoughts on on everything. Hadley, I love having conversations with you. Uh, you are a woman who gets so much done, and, and I really appreciate being here. So what's your last thought? Well, you know, my last thought, maybe I'll encourage people to, to check this out. Um, I'm sure people have heard of the Equal Rights Amendment. Well, this is something that Phyllis Schlafly and, and some others really stood up to in the 1970s, and it's back. The left is now pushing, once again, the Equal Rights Amendment. But as we discussed earlier, um, the Equal Rights Amendment is, it really should be called the Same Rights Amendment because it's not about equal rights. The founders ensured equal rights for men and women. The 14th Amendment also protects our equal rights as women. The Equal Rights Amendment doesn't mention women. It would, in fact, remove some legal protections for women. I, I don't know if they really believe that it will be a victory for women if we have to enroll in the draft. You know, I mean, I think that we ought to really pay attention to what's happening here um, because the Equal Rights Amendment is not going to be an advancement for women um, as much as it's advertised to be. Very similar to the Women's March in that way, that on the surface it may appear to be pro-women, uh, but under the surface, sadly, it's not. Well, we're going to have to have you back very soon to unpack that. So, Hadley Heath Manning, thank you so much for joining the Americhicks with Kim Munson. You have a great day. Okay, thank Hadley. You. Okay, thanks so much. Uh, hey, this hour has gone quickly. A lot of information. Uh, our quote for today is Alexis de Tocqueville, one of Steve's favorite guys. And I, it's amazing the way he writes. He said, if it be admitted that a man possessing absolute power 
may misuse that power by wronging his adversaries, why should a majority not be liable to the same reproach? Men are not apt to change their character by agglomeration, nor does their patience in the presence of obstacles increase with the consciousness of their strength. And for these reasons, I can never willingly invest any number of my fellow creatures with that unlimited authority with which I should refuse to any one of them. That is Alexis de Tocqueville. And our positive thought for today, read great books. You only have 24 hours in a day and make sure that you use them well. So read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate, listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. God bless you and God bless America.